this is Mark Levine with your next episode of On the Mark. Today we're going to talk about the sock monkey, the yo-yo, and the hula hoop. Let's start with the sock monkey. When you were a very young child, did your parents give you a sock monkey? Your mom either made it for you or it was purchased at a, a variety store such as Woolworths or any other variety store back in the day. The sock monkey was a cute-looking soft monkey, which a child could carry with them all day long. It was like a security blanket because it had a smiling face and was made of very soft material. So where did the sock monkey come from? The sock monkey originated in Rockford, Illinois, by Swedish immigrant John Nelson in 1872. He and his partner, William Worth Person, had invented a knitting machine which could close the heel and toe of the sock. This process took much less time than having to do this by hand. They started a new company, which they named the Nelson Knitting Company, makers of the authentic Rockford sock. By 1904, they were able to produce more than 5,000 pairs of socks per day. To distinguish their socks from others, Nelson used red thread to knead a red heel on the sock. Later on, the same process was used to make the lips for the sock monkey. At some point in time, buyers of the Rockford socks were reinventing the socks and taking the red heels from the bottom of the sock and making lips for the sock monkey. The buyer would then stuff the monkey and now have a sock monkey of their own. And this was during the Great Depression. Everyone was cutting corners to survive. Well, let's move ahead to the 1950s, where the Nelson Knitting Company found out about repur people repurposing their socks and began the task of receiving a, receiving a patent for the sock monkey which was awarded in 1955. Nelson would include sock monkey instructions with each pair of socks sold. Soon, Sears and Roback were selling Rockford socks with the instructions for the sock monkey from their catalog. Believe it or not, sock monkeys are still available online at Amazon and brick-and-mortar stores to this day. Would you believe that the first hula hoops date back to 500 BC? Native Indians used hula hoops during tribal dances, sometimes using several hoops at a time. Hula hoops were made of several materials at the time. They could be made of dried willow, dried grapevines, bamboo, or stiff grasses. The hula hoop has been around for centuries in one form or another. The modern hula hoop was inspired by Australian hula hoops, which were made of bamboo. It wasn't until the mid-50s that the hula hoop gained popularity in the United States. The Whammo Toy Company, the same company that made the very popular slingshot, made the first commercially available hula hoop in the United States. 
These hula hoops were made out of plastic and were well balanced to be used around the hips of your body. Once the Australian hula hoop gained prominence in Australia, it was just a matter of time the whole world would be hula hooping. I remember having several hula hoops as a kid. I failed miserably trying to keep it rotating as I moved my body like a worm, twisting and turning. Many different types of plastic material is used today to make the hula hoop. They include PVC piping, polypropylene, and polyvinyl chloride. Today, the hula hoops are used to teach dancing and having light sparkles and lighting and all kinds of new innovations. There is even a programmable hula hoop. I guess hula hoops are here to stay. I'm going to go out on a limb and say anyone who's listening to my podcasts or any podcasts have had a yo-yo. We've all had a yo-yo in our lives. I remember doing tricks with my yo-yos, such as walking the dog around the world and sleeping my yo-yo. Historians are not certain where the yo-yo originated, but many believe the yo-yo, then known as the Diablo, or Diabolo, rather, originated in China about 1000 BC. The yo-yo gained prominence around the world years later and had several names. In France, it was called the Juju and the Incorriable. In England, it became the Bandolore. In 1866, two inventors filed for a patent for the Whirligig. These were all the names which would be eventually become the Yo-Yo. And here's where it becomes interesting. In 1920s, or in the 1920s, in California, a young man, Pedro Flores, sold hand-carved yo-yos to the public while performing demonstrations of the yo-yo. Flores trademarked the same name, the yo-yo, which means come-come in Tagalog. That is the language of the Philippines. Entrepreneur Donald F. Duncan watched Flores go through his performances and offered to buy the name and the business Flores had owned. Duncan, envisioning the future of the yo-yo, hired Filipino young men to demonstrate the yo-yo at various destinations. He also developed contests where entrants would show off their talents with the yo-yos. Duncan secured free advertising for the contest in local newspapers, and later on, Duncan manufactured the plastic yo-yos and finally sold his business to Flambeau Incorporated. They still use a Duncan name on their yo-yo. The yo-yo received historical status when it was chosen to be permanently displayed at the Strong's National Toy Hall of Fame in Rochester, New York. Yo-yos are still available at toy and variety stores across the country. So it's time to get your yo-yo, or you call it a whirly gig if you wish, <laughs> and start doing tricks like around the world, sleeping, or walking the dog. Children of all ages still use yo-yos today. That's the end of this episode of On the Mark. I want to thank you all for listening. 
And I wish you a ha little late for this, but I wish you all a happy, prosperous, healthy new year. Thanks for listening to On the Mark. This is your host, Mark Levine. Remember to take care of yourself and others.